Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Needle Drop Podcast with your host, Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd. In this episode, we are going to be taking on a few album reviews, one of the new Soap and Skin record. The Austrian singer-songwriter is back with a very despondent album of piano tunes. Also taking on the new Meek Mill record, Championships. And we are going to be talking about the latest Black Thought, Streams of Thought EP. The frontman of The Roots is hitting the beats once again with a lot of gritty and clever wordplay. And uh, also, I'm going to be uh, subjecting you to my picks and predictions for the upcoming Grammys next year because they just dropped the nominations. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what's going to be in this episode. So get strapped in, get ready. It's coming. <laughs> and it's time for a review of the new Soap and Skin album, From Gas to Solid Slash you are my friend. This is the newest full-length album from Austrian singer-songwriter Soap and Skin, who we have not heard from in a studio album capacity in about six years at this point. Not since 2012's Narrow, which was a pretty unique record of art pop and chamber pop. The LP featured a mix of these hushed, beautiful piano songs, which were incredibly haunting, incredibly dreary, and topped with the womanly and haunting voice of Anya Francisca Plushk. Now, there were also a couple of tracks on this thing that featured very ominous and heavy, almost industrial-ish instrumentation. Moments that not only made for major high points on this album, but also set Anya apart from a lot of other singer-songwriters out there. And this was also a pretty scant record at 30 minutes in length. I was hoping that whatever else came down the pipe eventually eventually, as far as a new album, would be larger in terms of sound and scope. But sadly, From Gas to Solid and You Are My Friend is really neither of those things, despite being a longer album. The simple art-pop piano songs for Anya are back once again, but the tone and atmosphere of these tracks is noticeably lighter. So not nearly as dark and despondent, but somehow still really slow and patience-testing. And on top of it, unfortunately, the songs aren't nearly as compelling either, which is is truly unfortunate because part of Nero's appeal for me was that the songs were so wonderful at their core that it didn't really matter how fast or upbeat they were played, they still resonated, they still shined. Unfortunately, I cannot say that is the case for cuts on this thing like This Day, which features this descending lead vocal melody that after a while gets quite tedious, cycles with no real progression or resolve, it mostly just kind of meanders. I do like the song's lyrics, it would seem Anya's singing about being trapped in a destitute and corrupt society. The track's weepy violin accompaniment is kind of a nice touch, too. It's just a shame that it's not all hitched to a better song. And even though I found the song Italy kind of pleasurable on the first listen, once I kind of heard it in the context of the record, it sort of reached a similar place for me, too, where the track's key vocal melody after a while just got really tiresome, really basic. The songwriting just felt super, super thin despite the heavier sound on this track with droning pump organs and massive bass. I mean, I don't necessarily mind on paper that Soap and Skin is trying to change things up instrumentally on this record into a timbre of sounds that may play over a little better with like indie fans, like the marching snares and twanging, ringing lead melodies and pianos on the song Atham, or the completely unexpected synth odyssey on the song Falling. The problem is, though, is that the instrumental additions 
on these tracks feel really just sloppy. Or maybe they're just awkwardly applied, they feel sort of unsure. Like each piece of new instrumentation or melodic idea doesn't quite know what it should be doing, where it should be standing. So most of it is just kind of like haphazardly filling space because it has to be there. I think the song Foot Chamber is another prime example of this, though this song stood out to me because the tune is so faint and almost non-existent to the point where it can barely carry the horns and pianos, the vocal harmonies, all of which come together like in a nasty, drunken lullaby. Which again, is a shame because a lot of the instrumentation on this thing sounds like it was recorded pretty well. It could sound much prettier or even much darker had the writing been better. The song Surrounded is maybe the biggest anomaly on the entire record in that it features a pretty well-written song combined with some tastefully executed and assembled instrumentation that comes together into a very powerful and invigorating climax with a wall of strings and soaring lead vocals. It's such a focused and well-groomed cut that is completely counteracted by other songs on this thing whose inclusion into this record are just perplexing. Like the closing track on this record, which is the slowest and shoddiest cover of what a wonderful world I have ever heard in my entire life. And generally, I'm all for the idea of taking popular songs and slowing them down to the point where they basically become uh, a depressive dirge, but the execution is, is really kind of shaky. The very spaced out piano chords, the lead vocals, it just feels very off and not really in a dark, surreal, or unsettling way. Then there are cuts on this thing like Creep, this is Water, as well as the track Palindrome, which comes off like a very artsy religious chant. Songs that feel more like song sketches or stretched out interludes. There's not really a strong song or musical idea at the core of these cuts. They mostly just provide filler in the track list. It would be easier to overlook the inclusion of these tracks if the songs they were surrounded by carried more weight to the point where you needed a bit of a breather in between songs. But unfortunately that's not the case and all these tracks really end up doing is just killing time. Unfortunately, this is just not really the album I hoped it would be uh, at all. And not even really just in terms of, oh, Anya changed her sound, it's a total flip or whatever. I mean, sure, while there are some instrumental palettes on this record I didn't necessarily expect, for the most part, what really keeps this album from succeeding is the songwriting is just much more lackluster than it was on the last album, even Anya's previous EP. Had that, as well as the arranged instrumentation on this thing been better, I could see my way to liking the brighter and, and lighter sound of this record much more. I'm feeling a light to decent four on this thing. Tran, zition into the next review. And it's time for a review of the new Meek Mill album, Championships. This is the latest full-length LP from Philly rapper and Maybach music group MVP, Meek Mill. And Championships is a pretty big moment for Meek. This album comes after some of the most tumultuous years of any rapper's career, as Meek is currently in the calm of an ongoing legal storm that has somehow made him the face of criminal justice reform in the hip-hop community. Something that's earned him not just tons of coverage within the music journalism community, but outside of it too, on network news, even uh, a New York Times op-ed that was published recently. And it would seem that Meek's story is actually having a cultural impact, which all in all is a pretty good thing. And I've talked about this before on camera. I'm not here to say that Meek has never broken a law in his life, or that he's a perfect angel, or that he's followed all the rules of his parole. But reading deeper into the situation, it's pretty clear 
clear that the court has taken an active role in playing with Meek's time, playing with his life, gotten in the way of business opportunities, and just generally given him the runaround. And the court system should mainly prioritize carrying out justice and assessing whether or not certain individuals are threats to society, not turn the lives of high-profile celebrities into total fiascos out of a personal vendetta or just the will to make an example out of somebody. Not only is it painfully unfair, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money, and a serious misuse of the judicial branch of government. Because the only example the court system has made in the case of Meek Mill is the revolving door many ex-cons find themselves trapped in post-prison. Now, even though all of this has made really interesting context surrounding the release of this album, I would be a total fool if I were to go into this thing thinking that this experience that Meek has been going through uh, has totally changed his sound, totally changed his lyrical abilities. Certainly Meek Mill can get personal in his songs, but I didn't have any assumptions going into this thing that he's suddenly going to become like this introspective, conscious voice. Not only that, but I don't think that's really what his fans are truly looking for from him. I mean, surely there need to be tracks on this record that reference the experience that he's been going through, but he came up a braggadocious pop rapper, and I think he's just going to kind of continue down that path. I mean, even my favorite Meek Mill project, Dreams Worth More Than Money, is not really much more than a pop trap album at the end of the day. And even though I do like the high level of energy Meek Mill typically delivers his bars with, Sometimes his writing is pretty average, or just centers around a very limited amount of topics. I mean, I think his follow-up record in 2017, Wins and Losses, displayed just how one-dimensional he is, as he didn't really bring a whole lot to the table that he hadn't already on his previous albums and mixtapes. And in most ways, Championships, despite everything Meek has been through, is pretty much yet another bloated, focus-grouped, a little something for everybody pop rap album with a lot of trap beats and quite a few hit or miss features. Meek attempts a track with a kind of Latin vibe to it on the track Uptown Vibes, with a few little beat switch ups in the instrumental that take on kind of a reggaeton groove. There's also a very sluggish Anwell AA verse at the very end of the track. The song would be a total loss if not for Meek's hyped chorus. Cardi B's appearance on this record is pretty average despite her being the hottest commodity in hip hop right now. Jay Z's heavily covered contribution on this thing is really only interesting because of the lyric that he throws out about Kanye. And I do think some of the brags about his business acumen in this verse are pretty clever, but for the most part, there's not really a whole lot of chemistry between him and Meek and Ross. The last of which there is, is barely even a factor on this track, even though he kicks the entire song off. LMA's inclusion in this record really only adds up into a track that feels like a 2000s era R&B pop rap blend. And Going Bad featuring Drake did cause a lot of commotion because, hey, Meek and Drake, they had that big explosive beef that everybody remembers, and now they're back together, oh, things are smoothed over, it's cool. And I mean, it is good that Drake and Meek are back on good terms, I assume. Drake kind of seals the show on the track. But this song is basically yet another piece of sanitary pop rap without much in the way of a strong hook to carry it all. It mostly feels like Drake and Meek are kind of riffing for three minutes and then it just sort of ends. I mean, this is basically the kind of stuff I anticipated from this record and I got it. There are like a handful of songs in the 19 tracks of this record where Meek pretty boldly dives into the 
legal battles and very traumatizing experiences that he's been going through over the past few years. Uh, the track Intro, the track Trauma, the closing track Cold Hearted 2, which are all undoubtedly high points on this record. Meek's lyrics are great, they are vivid, they are detailed, they tell a strong story, he delivers all of his verses passionately. And there are a few other cuts on here that may not directly be related to everything that Meek has been going through, but they do still tell a personal story of his own struggle, whether it be sort of in the present, like on the track Respect the Game, or going back into his past, like on the track Oodles and Oodles Babies. And it's not like Meek needs to be super socially charged on a song in order for it to be good. The cutthroat pay you back with 21 Savage is savage as hell and definitely one of the nastiest songs on this entire thing. The braggadocious and glamorous Stuck in My Ways is about as flashy and as money hungry as we expect Meek to be. It's a fun, hard-hitting, captivating track that pretty much tells you that Meek is not changing. He's not intending on doing anything different. He's staying on his typical grind. I mean, it says it basically in the title and if it wasn't obvious enough, he goes deep into the lyrics about his drugs, his money, his cars, his women, you get the idea. But almost every likable moment on this record is countered by a song where Meek is uh, not executing very well, going for a sound that doesn't really favor him, whether it be the terrible auto-tuned ballad Almost Slipped, or the buttery and smooth Dangerous toward the back end of this LP, which also features PNB rock and is equally uninspired. So, yeah, overall this album is every bit as much the mixed bag that I anticipated it would be. And again, while I do appreciate the position that Meek is in currently, and I do like the fact that he's using his influence and his platform to spread ideas and, and make a case for some very important issues. The fact remains at this point his music is still pretty average. And if he's going to continue to stay in this pop rap mode, continue down this path, I would much prefer that in the future he drop a record more like Dreams Worth More Than Money, where he's cutting down the track list to the most essential moments. He's not embarking on anything too awkward or awful, anything that's outside of his comfort zone or beyond his abilities, or putting redundant tracks on his album too, because Meek, while I do like him and I do think he has a nice baseline of talent, I don't see him as an artist who's so dynamic that he can carry an hour and ten minutes of material and have it be fire from front to back. I'm feeling a light to decent five on this thing. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Before we go on, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, the good people over at Ridge Wallet. They make these nifty, awesome metal plated wallets that are much better than the bulky, disgusting leather wallet hanging out in your back pocket or on your desktop right now. Replace it forever at ridgewallet.com slash Fantano. Use promo code Fantano for 10% off your order. On to the next review. And it's time for a review of the new Black Thought and Salam Remy EP, Streams of Thought, Volume 2. This is a brand new EP from Philly rapper and primo lyricist for the group The Roots, Black Thought, who dropped the first installment of Streams of Thought just this past summer. Five tracks, wall-to-wall -wall production from the legendary Ninth Wonder. Easily one of the better short-form hip-hop projects I've heard so far this year, something that left me wondering when the next installment was gonna come around. And here it is, it's here now, right here it is. Although Black Thought has seen fit to switch things up with a different producer, Salam Remy, who's 
Production credits include people like J. Cole and Eminem, Nas, also CeeLo and the Fugees, as well as the late Amy Winehouse. So just based on past efforts alone, Remy seems kind of like a perfect fit. A guy who's gonna put his own spin on the usual mix of jazz and funk and soul that Black Thought sounds best over. And the instrumentals on this thing range from the sweet and groovy soundtrack to confusion to the very grim and dramatic fentanyl. Then there's the very mystical and ominous how to hold the choppa, on top of which Black Thought delivers this kind of spaced out, very slow flow and delivery, a little more easygoing than usual. In fact, it sort of sounds like something off of a Ka album with how I guess uh, subtle the approaches in a way. The opening lyrics on this track read, dark room with the cloak draped over the mic colloquium light, the smoke from the opium pipe, which yeah, the track sounds exactly like how those lyrics read. Long story short, the production on this thing is pretty solid. It's not mind blowing, it's not cutting edge or anything, but it does present black thought in a good way, in a positive way. It just sort of fits with what you typically expect from him aesthetically. Meanwhile, black thought himself is as lyrical as ever and offers up a slight change of pace from the previous EP in that one, there are no other guest rappers featured on this thing. There are more songs on this record, nine instead of the five off of the previous EP, though many of them are pretty short, just a minute and change. And for the most part, part the tracks and instrumentals on this record segue or transition into one another, making a lot of the tracks on this thing link up for a pretty seamless 23 minute listen. As far as highlights on this EP goes, there is the chilling intro track Fentanyl, which is essentially about death and overdoses and the opioid crisis. It gets pretty grim as Black Thought lyrically references artists that have been taken uh, from us due to overdoses over the past several years, basically lacing the measurable effects of this crisis with some pretty vivid poetry. In a way, the musical tone as well as Black Thought's flow on this track and many others on this EP reminds me of when Ghostface Killa linked up with Adrian Young and his band for like that 12 Reasons to Die record and, and basically everything he's sort of done in that vein since. And while it's not the most refreshing sound or anything, it is done pretty well. The following soundtrack to Confusion I think can be boiled down into a single line toward the beginning of the track that Black Thought spits. I'm channeling uncertainty and using it to tell the story of winning in life and losing it as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about those two lines, that really does kind of get to the core of what a lot of Black Thought is on about generally in his lyrics. Because as to be expected on this EP, Black Thought pretty much just has that beast flow, that nasty voice just dropping really slick talk on dark realities, with quite a few quotables and some pretty clever wordplay too. And that is pretty consistent throughout the entire EP. I mean, there are a few spots that do make me raise an eyebrow where I think uh, Black Thought presents like in a way some anti-vax bars. And there are a few spots where lyrically Black Thought does come off like he's uh, just kind of spitting a hysterical, lyrical, spiritual miracle in a swimming pool, like on the intro to the song Long Liveth, or on the intro to the song Streets, where he says, my cranium is vibranium, my brain is uranium and titanium. And even though I do like that Black Thought is cut from a different cloth, not only from his contemporaries, but from many of the other young rappers today, there are moments on here where his will to go against the grain feels more like mere contrarianism than it does uh, some kind of natural drive. Thought is truly at his most compelling on the CP when he's speaking from personal experience or diving into some really deep and unlikely cultural references. They far from rock solid, they soldiers terracotta. Of my philosophy, I'm the father like Aristotle. I will put an end to your whole saga. You Harry Potters is soft. 
Your rhyme's EMO, mine's is non-GMO. I'm a vessel, a vehicle, y'all don't see it though. Or on the song How to Hold the Choppa, where Thought says, Gramps told my father they sold his papa for gold and copper, even though he was the strongest cropper. Now am I wrong to teach my son to properly hold a choppa? Which makes me want to take my hat off and just go, That's a lot. The closing track on this thing is pretty strong as well. The soulful vocals laced into the beat are inspiring and fantastic. Also, when a guest singer does manage to pop up on this EP, it does provide a nice bit of counterpoint and, and structure to these tracks, many of which come off just like loose freestyles. And even though I do like the fact that many of the tracks on this thing link up on this EP, uh, it, it does sort of leave a lot of the songs on here sounding kind of samey. And, you know, that's the thing. While there is definitely an incredible amount of talent going into the instrumentals, going into Black Thought's flows and lyrics, it does feel a little one-dimensional. At least with the shorter volume one of Streams of Thought, there were other guest rappers on there. It didn't really kind of draw on quite as long. It's unfortunate that no other voices sort of are presented on this EP. I mean, with volume one, it was so awesome hearing Black Thought on the same track as as a new rapper who's also carrying that lyrical torch like Rhapsody. Hopefully if there's another installment in this EP series, uh, something can be done where uh, maybe that's kind of a bit of a mini concept featuring people exactly like that. Because it did seem like that there is at least a little bit of a vibe or a direction or a very loose sound or theme kind of driving both of these EPs so far. And while I'm listing things off that I would have liked some more cutting edge production, I think, wouldn't have hurt. And I will say, I think the quality ratio of the bars on the first EP was maybe a little bit better than on this one, too. Sometimes it does feel like Black Thought is just kind of throwing whatever he feels like out there that sounds vaguely cool or impressive, regardless of whether or not it has all that much substance to it. Not a bad EP, though. Pretty decent listen. I say keep them coming, and Volume 3, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, feeling a decent too strong 7 on this thing. Before the next review, I want to remind you guys that, that the holidays are coming up. Holidays are coming up. Not too many shopping days left. Not too many online shopping days left. And if you are someone who is in need of some colorful pressings of records I reviewed on the channel, some turntable equipment, uh, some speakers, some audiophile gear, hit up turntablelab.com slash the needle drop. Again, that is turntablelab.com slash the needle drop. You use that link, we get kickback from it. Does not add to your overall price, supports the channels, supports the podcast. Easy, easy. You get some stuff you want, we get support. On to the next review. And it is time for uh, an assessment of the new nominations that have come out of the Grammy Awards for the 61st Grammy Awards show that's happening next year. Like I said, we have the nominations right here through the power of the internet online. And I'm pretty much going to go through the major categories, the ones that pique my interest the most in this upcoming Grammy Awards, and uh, pick the ones that I think are likely to win, but also the ones that I would like to win. Let's go! Okay, okay, okay. To kick things off, we have the general field with record of the year in which we have a, a lot of nominations. I am actually surprised we've gotten this many nominations, but it seems like they've almost kind of over-nominated for a lot of the fields this year. I don't know if they 
are trying to prevent people from feeling snubbed or left out or trying to prevent as much controversy as possible around like, oh, you didn't include this, you didn't include that. I mean, I, I understand that. I understand wanting to uh, create less drama because uh, so many people sort of demand so many things from the Grammys as is, but um, still, they're really kind of throwing a lot at you, and I'm not exactly sure if every single track here should have made the cut. Regardless, though, record of the year, we have I Like It with uh, Cardi B, J Balvin, that, that track off of her uh, latest full-length album, which isn't a bad track. It's an okay track. Uh, the Joke, Brandy Carlisle, which got a few nominations. I've heard the track. Uh... It's it's okay. She's a country songstress, and it's a pretty sad, powerful piano ballad, though I'm not exactly sure if uh, I think the song is as culturally poignant and uh, necessary as the people who clearly nominated it do. Uh, moving on from there, this is America, Childish Gambino, Drake God's Plan, Shallow, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, All the Stars, Kendrick Lamar and SZA from the, of course, uh, Black Panther soundtrack, a rock star, Post Malone and 21 Savage, and uh, Zed and uh, Maren Morris and Gray, the track The Middle. Um, I mean, of those tracks, the favorites of mine are probably I Like It, This Is America, and um, Rockstar, but... Preferably, I would I would like to go to This Is America. I, I would like to go to This Is America. I, th I think that's the best out of all the tracks there. Album of the Year, in which we also have quite a few nominations. We have the Black Panther original soundtrack, Golden Hour, Casey Musgraves. I'm going to just come right out and say I don't want either of those two to win. Uh, Janelle Monae, Dirty Computer. I would be absolutely uh, floored if that won. It's a pretty great pop record. Uh, Beer Bongs and Bentleys, Post Malone. I do like, but I don't think I prefer it to a dirty computer. Uh, her, uh, I'm actually surprised that she got the nomination for album of the year. Um, her, her music's not bad. It doesn't really stand out to me as far as like commercial R&B goes or anything, but it's, it's, it's certainly not awful. Uh, Scorpion Drake, no. Uh, by the way, I forgive you, Brandy Carlisle, again, which I'm not all that crazy about, and Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B, which is a, a record I don't dislike, but, um, I think in this category, I'm just going to have to go Dirty Computer. I would like it to be Dirty Computer. And if the Grammys end up sort of falling upon their usual mix of, hey, let's try to find what's mainstream and accessible, but simultaneously let's try to pick something that's a little artsy, that may in fact end up being the record that they land upon. Uh, however, if they're thinking more in terms of like what's popular, what's sales, what's the most relevant, uh, they might end up landing on the Black Panther soundtrack, they might end up landing on Post Malone, or even most likely end up landing with Cardi B. For Song of the Year, we have All the Stars, obviously from the Black Panther soundtrack once more, uh, LMA's uh, Boot Up. We have God's Plan, Drake, In My Blood, Shawn Mendes, uh, The Joke, Brandy Carlisle again, uh, The Middle, Once More, Zed, uh, Maren Morris and Gray, Shallow, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, This Is America, Donald Glover, I obviously would like This Is America to, uh, to win on that one. I do think it is the most culturally relevant track in the entire list. Uh, maybe they will try to go more accessible again and they'll pick All the Stars or uh, maybe God's Plan or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, or, or maybe they'll even go uh, super duper-duper-duper uh, white America safe and uh, pick the Brandy Carlisle track. I'm not sure, but uh, preferably I would like This is America. We have the Best New Artist field over here, which honestly, 
I have zero investment in this field. Uh, no artist here really made an album that I liked this year. I mean, I would maybe going forward like to see more from her. It would be cool. It would be uh, certainly neat to see uh, her walk away with uh, uh, the Grammy on this Best New Artist category. But um, yeah, I wasn't really crazy with the recent output uh, of, of any of these artists. Pop solo performance. Uh, we have Beck Colors, Camila Cabello, Havana Live, God is a Woman, Ariana Grande, Joanne from Lady Gaga and Better Now Post Malone. This, these cannot be the best five pop solo performances of the year, are they? Is, is this seriously the field? I mean, I like the Post Malone song and I like the Ariana Grande song, but as far as solo pop performances, there, there had to have been better choices than this throughout the year, no? I mean, geez. Um, I mean, it would be cool to see Ariana Grande walk away with it. Uh, Post Malone, Better Now, I do love that track, and I also have a soft spot for it because uh, when I first heard it, I said, this track is going to be big. This track is going to be a hit. And in fact, it became one because it sounds like a friggin' hit. Um, so, I mean, I would love to see either of those two tracks walk away with it, though I would not be surprised to see uh, Lady Gaga do it or if uh, uh, the Grammys pull another Beck and everybody's just like, Woo, Beck! We like him! Yeah, even when he's not coming out with, with good music! Best pop duo group performance, Fall in Line, Christina Aguilera, Backstreet Boys, Tony Bennett, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Maroon 5, Justin Timberlake, and Chris Stapleton on Say Something. Uh, the Middle, Once More with Zed. Another category I am not invested in at all, which is kind of unfortunate because I don't recall there being even two categories in the major fields of last year's Grammy picks that <laughs> I was like, wow, I, I, don't, I don't care for any of it. Best pop vocal album, we have uh, Camila Cabello's new record. We have Kelly Clarkson, Ariana Grande, Shawn Mendes, Pink, Taylor Swift. I, I'm just gonna have to go Ariana Grande. I mean, it, it would seem that the industry on the whole has been kind of sick of the new Taylor Swift record, so I'm not exactly sure if I can predict her walking away with it. Uh, maybe they'll go super safe and, and pick Shawn Mendes. Uh, maybe they will acknowledge uh, Camilla because she, she's relatively the, the biggest up-and-comer in this whole list, but uh, I, I would prefer Ariana Grande. She definitely had the best pop album out of this field. We have best dance and electronic album over here. We have John Hopkins' latest record, Singularity, which I liked quite a bit. <clears throat> Woman Worldwide Justice, which I didn't end up reviewing, but uh, I don't see how I would end up preferring that to John Hopkins. Uh, Sophie Tucker Treehouse. Sophie, oil of every pearls on insides. Yes, yes, yes. And shout out to uh, Toki Monster as well for uh, the Loon Rouge record. Surprised Sophie made it into this, but uh, I'm going to have to go Sophie. As much as I did enjoy the John Hopkins record, the Sophie album for the most part is amazing. And uh, that's a pretty significant nomination there, not only because it's such an avant-garde record, but you're talking about a uh, transgender songwriter, producer, uh, creator as well there. Uh, so, wow, really really unexpected there. Uh, as you can tell, I did not sort of uh, uh, spoil any of these for myself. 
uh, for the most part, outside of like the, the top album and song nominations. But uh, very surprised and very happy to see that. I would love, 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 love to see Sophie walk away with that. If anybody watching uh, does have the opportunity to vote in this upcoming uh, um, you know, Grammy uh, Awards, and you have not listened to this Sophie record yet, please, for the love of God, do, because it is great. Uh, I promise it will definitely uh, stir some kind of emotion in you. Next, we have the Best Rock Performance category. Four out of five Arctic Monkeys, When Bad Does Good, Chris Cornell, Made in America, The Fever, 333, Greta Van Fleet, Highway Tune, Hailstorm, Uncomfortable. Um... I mean, I do like that Arctic Monkeys track, but it's, I feel like Arctic Monkeys' latest record barely even qualifies as a rock album. It's like a loungy, soft rock record, if, if a rock album at all. Um, I, I do kind of like some of the stuff The Fever has been doing as of late, even if it is a little too infused with like pop music for me to kind of like really get into how... Uh, edgy, it's it's trying to be, it sort of seems like a, a little bit of a watered-down sort of rap, rock, punk sound in a way, but I still do think it has a lot of potential going down the road. Uh, the Chris Cornell track, I'm, I'm sort of indifferent to for the most part, though still uh, rest in peace to Chris. Uh, great singer, great talent all around. Um, obviously, I'm not very much into the Greta Van Fleet tune. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it would be really cool and exciting to see The Fever do it. Though, I, I predict it's most likely going to go to Cornell or Arctic Monkeys. <sighs> Although, I feel like I'm not really properly assessing here how much of an industry-wide boner do people who are voting for these awards uh, have for the band Greta Van Fleet. I mean, I wasn't really crazy about them. There are a lot of fans that have certainly pushed back on the record, but for the most part... Uh, it, it would seem that a lot of, like, the rock press just friggin' can't get enough of them. So maybe I'm completely uh, off the mark here, and the uh, the award is most likely going to go to Greta Van Fleet. Uh, actually, actually that, that might just be the case. Best metal performance between The Buried and Me, Death Heaven, Honeycomb, which is interesting. That's interesting that they would... They would land in there. Uh, High on Fire, Electric Messiah, Trivium, and we have Under Oath 2. Best Metal Performance? And no ghost? No ghost in here? Really? No ghost at all? No ghost in this? It's cool to see High on Fire and Death Heaven in here. I would love to see either of those two, especially High on Fire, walk away with the award, though it is more likely that one of the more popular acts here will get it between The Buried and Me or Under Oath, though uh, some of these metal performances, they can be a little unpredictable because you, you never really know uh, who people are going to go for. Best Rock Song. We have a Black Smoke Rising from Greta Van Fleet, Jumpsuit, 21 Pilots, which I would love uh, to see walk away with an award because it is a great track, Mantra, Bring Me the Horizon, St. Vincent, Mass Seduction, Rats from Ghost. Okay, well, there's a Ghost nomination right there. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as I do love Jumpsuit, and I did really like that T.O.P. Uh, record, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Rats. I, I just fucking love that song. It's a, it's a great song. It's a great video. It's, it's a great record. It's great everything. Ghost, Ghost deserves a Grammy for, for best rock song, truly. It is a great song.
Rats. <laughs> Best rock album. Uh, here we go. The new Alice in Chains record, which I did not like at all. Uh, the new Fall Out Boy record, which is barely a rock album. Uh, the new Ghost record, Prequel. Amazing. Awesome. Excited to see that. Uh, Pacific Daydream, which uh, from Weezer, it's, it's also barely a rock album. It's actually Weezer's probably most mainstream pop-friendly record yet. Uh, then we also have Greta Van Fleet from The Fires, and uh, yeah, um, can't, can't really say I'm excited to see any of these walk away with the award other than Ghost, uh, and I, I just hope that that ends up being the case. Best Alternative Album, the new Arctic Monkeys, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, the new Beck, the new Bjork, the new David Byrne, and the new St. Vincent. I feel like my favorite of this group has to be the new Bjork. It's definitely the new Bjork. I mean, I did like a lot of tracks off of the David Byrne, but I feel like the Bjork record was a bolder artistic statement, whereas the David Byrne was something that David... Uh, it's, it's kind of been a sound that he's been toying with for a little while now, just slightly updated. Uh, the Bjork record definitely was a lot more adventurous with the woodwinds and the bird sounds and uh, some of the personal uh, emotional story she was telling on that record. So I, I would actually love to see uh, Bjork get a get a Grammy for Utopia. Uh, please, please, for the love of God. Best R&B performance, As Long As I Live, Tony Braxton, Some of the Carters, Y.O.Y., Lala Hathaway, Best Part, Her, featuring Daniel Caesar, uh, P.J. Morton first began... Um, another category I'm not really all that invested in outside of, uh, you know, that, that track featuring Daniel Caesar, best part, is pretty decent. Um, can't really say I was really all that into the Carter's record, uh, frankly. And, uh, I know there were other R&B performances and recordings out there this past year that were certainly more intriguing than a lot of these. I mean, I mostly chalk my lack of enthusiasm up to just... Uh, just not not some very intriguing picks. Um, I don't know, I guess I'll just say that. As far as uh, best R&B song goes, we have Boot Up with LMA. We have Come Through and Chill with Miguel and J. Cole and Salam Remy. Uh, we have Feels Like Summer with Donald Glover, uh, Focus from Her, and Long As I Live with Tony Braxton once more. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as I was lukewarm on it when I first heard it, in fact, I don't even really think I cared for it that much when I first heard it, um, I would love to see that Childish Gambino track walk away with it. Either that or boot up. I mean, even though I wasn't really crazy about the rest of her album, LMA's record, that is, um, I did think the remix of that track was pretty cool, and she's easily one of the biggest and newest artists to break this year. Um, and, uh, th that Childish Gambino record, if, if it's as good as it's most likely going to be, uh, when that album finally drops, like, that record is probably going to get so many Grammy nominations. Probably going to get so many Grammy nominations. In the rap category, we have the best rap performance, Cardi B, Drake, King's Dead from the uh, soundtrack, uh, Black Panther soundtrack once more, Bubbling, Anderson Pack, which is a track I'm sad did not make it onto his new full-length album, and Sicko Mode with Travis Scott, Drake, Sway Lee, Big Hawk. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty steep performance list. Um... I personally, I, I love bubbling. I love bubbling. And uh, as much as I do love it, I think I would love to see Sicko Mode walk away with it. It is a great track. It does have a few parts I'm not super crazy about, but it is a great song. It is a really forward-thinking, futuristic, 
psychedelic rap track that in a lot of ways I think embodies the current hip-hop meta in a way that none of the other tracks on this thing do. Uh, though, again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Grammys decided to uh, go ridiculous with it and just give it to King's Dead, uh, you know, or, or do a bit of a safe pick here and go Cardi B or Drake. With the best rap and sung performance, we have Christina Aguilera with Gold Link, Black and J. Cole, Childish Gambino, This is America, Once More, All the Stars, Rockstar, Post Malone, 21 Savage. Uh, once more, I'm going to ha have to go This is America. It is a great track. It's a great track all around. Deserves uh, all the Grammys it's nominated for, as far as I'm concerned. Best Rap Song, God's Plan, King's Dead, Lucky You, uh, Eminem featuring Joyner Lucas. Not really that great of a track, so I'm not going to be uh, advocating for that. Win with J-Rock. Don't really care for that one either, but uh, <laughs> whatever. And Sicko Mode is on here once again. Um, and yeah, I, I would like Sicko Mode to win. Sicko Mode should win something. It should win something. It is a great track. And here we have Best Rap Album category. Uh, we have Cardi B's new record, Mac Miller's new record, Nipsey Hussle's new record. Nipsey somehow made it in here. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Daytona, Pusha T, and Travis Scott. Um, the Grammys most definitely, I think, will play it safe in this category, either picking Cardi B or uh, they may want to tribute Mac Miller, you know, because uh, uh, he passed away recently. And uh, the industry seems to have taken very warmly to his last full-length album. I obviously was not crazy about it, but uh, that's just me. Um, Pusha T's new record I think is fantastic, uh, as well as Travis Scott's. Uh, however, I think uh, Pusha T and Nipsey Hussle are a little bit more of the underdog picks in this category. Um, I think it's most likely going to go to Travis uh, or, or Cardi, um, but uh, yeah. That's, that's my thought. Best Country Solo Performance. Would love to see Chris Stapleton get it. Best Country Duo and Group Performance. I'm not really that invested in that one, so... But in the Best Country Album category, I would like to see the Volume 2 record from Chris Stapleton walk away with it, because it, it is a pretty great record. The American Roots category does have some nominations that I'm interested in. Willie Nelson, as well as uh, even the Brandy Carlisle record for the uh, performance category looks pretty sweet. Also, Best American Roots song, Build a Bridge with Mavis Staples and Jeff Tweedy is a pretty decent track. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't hate seeing that track walk away with an award, as well as uh, Knocking on Your Screen Door from John Prine. John Prine's latest record is actually a pretty solid album, and Knocking on Your Screen Door is one of the cutest songs on there. And it seems that Prine even has two songs nominated in this category. Also, the track Summer's End, uh, probably not my favorite of those two tracks, but I guess being nominated twice in one category does increase your likelihood of, of winning an award. Also seeing Prine nominated in the Best Americana album category is pretty encouraging as well. The Tree of Forgiveness, if you guys have not heard it, it is a solid album. The Best Recording Package section does have a few interesting nominations in there. The new Mitski record, Be the Cowboy, is in there, as well as Mass Seduction from St. Vincent. Also, the new BTS record, Love Yourself Tear. I mean, if there is something I did enjoy about the St. Vincent album, I did love the cover, I did love the packaging, I did love the look of it and the color scheme. I do have to credit it as being very bold and eye-grabbing and creative. Um, so, so I would most likely go with that personally. Also, there's a weird Al Yankovic best boxed or special ed edition package. 
uh, category nomination, which is, I, I guess, uh, fun. I will never understand what exactly goes into the criteria of best, best album notes. Best liner notes. Best music video actually has some really interesting picks in it. This is kind of a fire music video lineup. Uh, we have Ape Shit from the Carters. We have This Is America. We have Joyner Lucas, I'm Not Racist. We have Pink from Janelle Monet. We also have uh, Mumbo Jumbo from Tierra Whack. Um, man, that is a hard pick because I do love This Is America. I would love to see Tara Wack walk away with it because that whole visual experience for the Wack World Record is actually super creative. It's amazing. It's immersive. It's colorful. Uh, it's off the wall. Uh, it's surreal. Um, the Janelle Monet music video is very fun, though I don't think it's the best music video to come out of the album rollout of her new record. Um, I mean, it's most likely in this category going to go to This Is America, though I, I would personally like to see uh, Tierra Whack get it. And everybody, th those are pretty much my opinions and picks for this upcoming Grammy Awards, the 61st. And uh, I don't know, I guess I will see you guys next year for a follow-up video to uh, talk about whether or not any of my personal picks or uh, predictions ended up going through. Okay, everyone, that's going to be it for this latest episode of the Needle Drop Podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure if you are on iTunes, you subscribe and you leave us a rating, leave us a review. Helps out the podcast a lot. And on top of it, you can also find out more about us and hear more reviews, see more reviews, see more content at youtube.com slash the needle drop and the needle drop.com. Also, youtube.com slash Fantano. See you guys on social media as well, Instagram, Afantano, as well as on Twitter.com slash The Needle Drop. Shout out to Jonah, who assembles all of these podcasts. He's doing a fantastic job. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next one. Anthony Fantano, reviews, music, podcasts, forever. <laughs> <laughs>